If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. I knew I saw the world in a different light than what a mainstream Indian cinema or even like any other type of media, like Indian journalism or Indian media would convey. What happens to our perspectives on the world when we consciously choose to look beyond mainstream portrayal of reality? It's really strange to think about how the ways we see the world are based on our very personal experiences, based on what we've seen and heard from other people around us or the media. It's like we all have our own special, unique glasses on and all of our lenses are different. Like who's actually seeing reality as it actually is? And how do we know how close our assumptions are or judgments are to the real objective reality of things? I don't know that there's an answer, just a mind-boggling thought I had after this conversation. So yes, deep stuff coming at you from an award-winning photographer whose work has taken him all over the world in the past few years alone, which taught him invaluable lessons about perspectives. So stay tuned. And just a quick reminder that you can sign up to receive my weekly newsletters at greendreamer.com, where I basically pull together highlights from every week's interviews. I write these myself and I'd love to have you there. So greendreamer.com to sign up if you haven't already. And now to today's episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is an internationally published and exhibited photographer, author, and designer whose work lies between documentary and fine art. And his work is really driven by his intention to shed light on alternative narratives aside from mainstream ideas on topics like gender, social conflicts, sustainability, travel. But first of all, going back to what I mentioned about perspectives, what are alternative narratives? Green Dreamer, starting off with what got him to begin questioning mainstream ideas and looking at the world in a different light, here is Mukul Bhatia. I feel like I come from a country where things are very prototype and stereotype. Like I feel like it's a country where patriarchy is, of course, one of the most 
celebrated uh, culture so far. So it's just more like having a prototype of literally everything has been such a such a such a journey for me personally because I was always the odd one out. I was definitely the black sheep of the family who was trying to do these other things while other people were like focused on these these things. And I feel like I knew I saw the world in a different light than what a mainstream Indian cinema or even like any other type of media, like Indian journalism or Indian media would convey. So I think my first journey, which uh, for which I traveled to different parts of the country, I ended up staying in in, in uh, uh, Brothel. I became friends with this, uh, uh, these uh, sex workers who worked there and I continued the story. And for the journey, I had to stay in like this this particular space for a month, and that was such a unique experience because I feel like uh, in a safe background that I come from, it was just like I thought this would be the world, but having interacted with the real world, their, my idea of them and their ideas of how I knew them based on how everyone else talked about it, because in India everyone talks about things, was very different. So yeah, it's just a different idea from the mainstream concept and ideas which most media portrays about subjects that I cover. For sure. And what does it mean to be found in translations? Okay, so it was like a name that I basically took out after like the first travel that I did with Nomadic Origins. It was just like really intense journey to 22 countries. And I was always like looking outside the window and I had these amazing ideas and things to think about. So I first called it... Um, it was called uh, uh, Poetry to Airplanes, because I would always look out at the airplane and there's always going to be this personal emotion. Um, eventually, I just ended up like um, in very different countries, like from Paris to I was in Greece to I was in Istanbul and I was in Kyrgyzstan. And then I was in Japan and then Thailand, where things just meant different things, you know, like um, how you sit or how you stand completely changes based on the country you are in. And there's so many things that are usually lost in translations, but at the same time, um, one thing that was really, really um, cool or nice that I found in my journey was that I was really scared to move out of India to these amazingly new, incredible big spaces and uh, to be able to uh, get through because of kindness or niceness and receiving kindness on the other end was such an abstract emotion that if I tell this to people, people cannot understand. So it's more like it's found in translations, like you go through different kind of translations through realities and lives by traveling, but it's usually what you find and those like little small details that are probably hard to translate, but it's really found so, like you find them in you and you find them around you. That's so beautiful. I feel like traveling around the world now doing photography sounds like an amazing job to have. But what's something that's been really tough for you behind the scenes that most people don't get to see? I think that um, in this Insta-friendly world that we live in, most people don't get to see the journey, which is like how, like, for example, if I'm going to from one country to another country, most people see it in the perspective of a holiday. But usually my time in a country or a city is very time based on the work that I'm doing. My flights are booked in advance. I've missed my flights. And there have been there have been quite like many issues where you just like, oh shit, you're late for this event or like uh, you know, things just don't happen when you probably want them to. So um there are a lot of there's a lot of planning. Like for my next three months my flights are booked, my rooms are booked, my dates are booked. And I'm when I'm saying that I mean like how many spaces that I'm covering. Like there are around like twenty cities I will be in the next two months or three months. <laughs> so it's 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 quite a journey to uh, keep doing it, you know. Even like with your health, like sometimes you're sick, but you're definitely in a flight to another country. Um, that's been quite a toll. And like I think uh, I think personally, coming from India, which is a very different space from like otherwise, you know, like like let's say American life would be in terms that I still live with my family, you know, like uh, with my mom. Even like getting out of the house is a very like 
legitimate off thing, you know, like it's not something that people do unless they're married. So like having to have that kind of different cultures is quite, quite unique and quite not as easy as it looks like on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been a journey and I think it's been a great one. Like it's been quite an experience doing that since last five years. So yeah, what's been your greatest learning lesson from going through all of this behind the scenes? I feel like uh, I've started to enjoy my aloneness more. I think the biggest fear that I had before I left the country was that I was really scared of being in a restaurant without my friends and I'm just eating a meal alone. Like, literally, like, as a, as a 16-year-old kid, I was like, I can never travel alone because that's what I do. Um, but having to, like, see so many situations, like, as a journalist as well, I started my work in war. So having coming through, like, those kind of tough experiences, which is emotionally very, very um, uh, too much to take as an empath, which I am. So um, it's a lot, but you get to know that you're all by yourself in the end. So even if you lose a few things or even if things don't happen the way you are, you will have you and your your sense of comfort with you um, not making it to that airport on time that well. So yeah, my journey and my love with for myself and uh, my, my, my appreciation for my alone time has increased dramatically with my travels and the, 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 the hustle that goes through behind those travels. Yeah. Traveling for me has always been really life-changing, just eye-opening. What's been one of the most life-changing or touching moments for you throughout your travels? I think um, travel has always surprised me. Like I think that there's a whole narrative of uh, a particular place that could be very um, different. For example, Paris. Like Everybody warned me that Paris is going to be so harsh and like... Um, I've always, like, first time I traveled outside of India, by the way, in 2014, when I did the 22 countries. So I was really naive in terms of, you know, everything. So you just, like, had these makeshift belief system of what Europe is going to be like and what Paris is going to be like based on the books you read. So I was always intimidated by, before entering the spaces that I had a particular narrative of based on the word of mouth. And the fact that I was actually helped by random strangers on the streets, um, in in the most far away spaces like I wouldn't expect and it was the other way around as well you know I would expect a space to be super safe where I was almost mugged in Italy so um yeah the whole sense of what you think may or may not even be close to what it is uh, was the most amazing takeaway and the kindness that I received by people who I completely had like no expectation from was just like amazing like I would end up staying with people's house when I don't even know I'm going to stay from like a Romanian gypsy woman to like a shaman woman so that sense of like different kinds of life and to be able to see that in just the time of two years, it's just amazing. Yeah, to be able to shatter these stereotypes and preconceptions and to see things for what they really are. Yeah, totally. Well, you've traveled to so many places and a lot of times to remote regions that tourists might not get to go to. So if there were one thing that you learn about humans and humankind from everything, what would it be? I think... Uh... Humanity or humankind is definitely very uh, beautiful, underrated race. I think we are very self-critical. We are always saying that oh, humanity is dying and this is happening. But I think we're very dramatic by saying that, and I feel like we're much better than we think we are. Instead of the other way around, narrative because um, it's only when we think and see good in ourselves that we grow the good. So. That whole idea, how most people across the world are not appreciative of what they have, this is a kind of humility. And at the same time, it's also kind of like, I feel personally sad that most people don't get to see the great sides. But that whole idea that people were so humble and nice and just like, to my 
complete contradiction of how I would be was definitely the, the, the point when I think that humanity was definitely like on it. And then that whole sense of belief system. And then she just like, no, I believe this race. This is awesome. We're going to moon. We're doing crazy things. That was a good, good takeaway from like the entire travel and the entire meeting with humanity. Yeah. So you live a nomadic lifestyle. What does that look like? And how does it make it easier or more difficult to live sustainably? I feel like I keep defining definitions of sustainability the more I actually get to know or use it. I feel like it's a different kind of economy where I come from again. And like sometimes you just like it's very hard to see that you're using when most people are using so many straws, for example, which is supremely bad for the environment. So, yeah, I feel like there's so many different things that are different in different parts of the world. But as such, I think for me, being sustainable is to be able to do things that I want to do and doing so the most harmlessly possible in terms of even people. Like I want to make sure that people I interact with as kind of tend to or want to give back um, to it could be good energy. It could be anything. And that's also in my personal definition, sustainability, because I feel like we are trying to do a change and we try to make a positive impact. On everything and people if you charge one person you kind of give that energy to a whole like clan of people they'll meet that day so I feel like in sustainability wise I feel like we need to be better humans that's one thing I feel like sustainability is about um, taking uh, taking charge and responsibility of yourself and seeing how and what you're doing like it takes one minute to basically um, Google if your brand that you're wearing is sustainable or not and even if it's so, like, I feel like most people say it in a very, uh, like, the internet works in a very guilt-oriented space. And I try to not do that with my posts and myself as well. You know, sometimes if I want to eat, uh, if I want to drink a particular brand of cola, I would do it if I really want it. You know, like, it's it's really not supposed to be a guilt-oriented way, but more so for the love of the environment you live in. So I feel like sustainability for me is basically uh, loving and living lightly and positively uh, with the people I meet, with the, the things I interact with, with the food I eat, uh, with the clothes I wear. So, yeah, having a little, seeing a little farther than just your today or tomorrow and then acting on it um, inside out. Yeah. Well, you're a visual storyteller. How do you think we can use visual storytelling to help social and environmental causes? I feel like uh, we believe the visual more than the text. And I totally understand because the eyes see what, you know, they can see. Well, it's you say another person's perspective. It's a different thing. But I feel like uh, we as visual uh, creators or um, people even sharing small things on Internet have the power to narrate a story. And it could be a better way of saying or it could be a worse. So visual storytelling is definitely uh, one of the most key aspects of sustainability or sustainable brands are changing the world because you're trying to show a world which could exist or which does exist, but most people don't know. So you're basically bridging the gap. Um, so as, as a visual storyteller, I feel like my responsibility is to show that this is how it's done and this is great and uh, this is better than that mass-produced stuff because because this is it, you know, like you see it. So as a video storyteller, I have the responsibility of saying that in one photograph. Um, and I also have to document it. So it's also like, you know, you have to see and find out where the beauty is and like just make sure that it's communicated well. It's important because, again, people will believe it once they're buying it, uh, buying something on Internet. They do not have the time. Like most people actually don't spend as much time anymore, which is why e-commerce is also booming because it's 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 people spend more time 
watching some a visual on internet than they would in a store the way you used to. So visuals are everything. Visuals are your product, and visuals are your uh, your message, and are your are your profile pictures. Today, it's, it's the era of visuals. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone who is new to being a visual storyteller? So, what does it take to become a moving and engaging visual storyteller? It's important to think before uh, you take out that camera and shoot. Uh, it's important to think and uh, uh, ideate your own stories and find your stories before you actually go up on the field and find your stories is what I would say to anyone who wants to tell a story through visuals. It's important because I think it's, there's also an era of information overload. So uh, we need to always like start believing in the mainstream visuals available on, on let's say, a, a researching device or maybe on Google. And instead, like, go more thinking about what you're doing, why you're doing, what cover, what story is it, and what is the implication, and why do you think that the story is worth telling. And once you have that sense of ideation of what it is, and then you go on the field, it might be a different take from how you expected, or it might be the same, or it might be a, a, a mix of both. But you would be more aware of what to have once you have ideated it. So I think there's, it's, it's, since it's the era of information overload as well, we don't need more images that look like just another image, like a stock image. Spend your time thinking about what you're trying to narrate. Mm-hmm. Being more intentional and purposeful with your creative work instead of just putting things out there. Totally. There are too many things out there. We need to be very minimal about like putting like, like these, be, yeah, create less, but create with heart and mind, I think. Yeah. Well, now you're an established travel photographer whose work has been featured all around the world. And I saw that you were featured in Forbes recently. So congrats on that. That's massive. (laughs) What do you think has been key to establishing yourself in the industry so that your work can reach more people's lives? Um, It's been a very surprising journey, to be honest. I feel like um, uh, I'm a a big introvert, by the way. I usually have spent my time and my thoughts and my process and like... um, I've been sharing the button, like, and it's been so personal, and it's been so like, like reaching out to ten friends of mine that I'm saying that, oh, I missed this flight, or this happened, or my thoughts are like this, or this is what I'm going to do next, and uh, uh, I'm getting more aware of how many people are getting to see this. Like, I know the number is there, but at the same time, I usually would have thought that it's the visual that people tend to like to, but nobody really reads that stuff. I don't know why I thought so, but recently, uh, because of like uh, a stream of uh, meetups that I uh, that I had, or I, I had these interactions with people, and it was just very surprising that my work is getting to be seen, read, understood, and felt by people, and it's amazing. I believe that it's been a very uh, personal journey that I'm still like narrating as to how it's taking. And I think the key was simply to be honest and simply to be out there, just saying it, what you feel like, without having the risks of la-la-la things, you know, where people tell you, without having those fears. Yeah, so don't think too much. Don't think too much. Don't. Yeah, if you don't want to post, don't post. Don't follow the algorithm. Don't do anything. Um, just, just, just post because you want to post and share and be you. Be genuine. Do what you got to do. <laughs> totally. And what are you most proud of having accomplished for yourself? A lot of things, actually. I'm getting more and more aware and full of gratitude with uh, with stuff. And it's, I think, uh, the fact that I come from a very different background. I come from a small city outside of Delhi where I've grown up. So, like, it's literally, like, it's kind of like how most New Yorkers say it's the Texas of, you know, the U.S. <laughs> I kind of live in a very dry area. It's very depressive. There's no art. There's no nothing. And at the same time, I was this, this very different kid. As as a school kid, I was always in the arts faculty. I was always in the dramatic faculties. I was always doing like all these crazy things, which were so romantic for my own where I come from. 
So now it's just like it's very interesting to uh, to to be able to narrate your personal stories that are not not completely like it's not like try to hard or like trying to curate something, but more so as expressing your thoughts, and to be able to narrate that and find an audience which is across the world, and it's it's really 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 like it's a big honor that it happened. What do you think you did that made this happen? I think it's it's been like I've seen a lot of different kinds of worlds and I think I've tried to narrate different experiences of mine that I found really really awesome in a particular space like for example in Japan I was really inspired by the Harajuku culture so I took uh, I took some clothes or like I really like got into the vibe when I was in there so and it changes like I was in US recently and there was so much information that I wanted to go completely wabi-sabi and minimal like completely brand <laughs> clothes and like monotones so I think that I am not scared of being prototyped in a particular way and I think that um, it's 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 if I want to wear a really colorful suit in the middle of a very depressive street in in, in in a very financial district in some big city I will do it you know I'm, I'm, I'm okay to basically wear and be myself wherever I want to be so to be able to visually narrate that that sense of uh, uh, playfulness with colors and clothes uh, has probably been uh, the reason why my Facebook account slash my work is noticed in the first place, like in the Explore page. And then when people see more genuinity and more like stories that are very intimate and personal. So it's really about, again, going back to you being genuine with who you are and you doing you not being put into a box. Definitely. And don't be perfect. Because I think there's so much perfect stuff on the internet. It looks unbelievable. So I think I've been like, I've been sometimes a sissy on my, on my, on my Instagram sometimes. I've been literally telling them how my plans are not happening and I'm really stressed out and I completely give it. And sometimes I think that what am I giving back to the internet? And, but the stuff I receive is so amazing. I get like 300 page words about how things will be fine and how they know my work. So yeah, I think that whole two-way conversation is important, but it's really not been very, it's been effortless and it's really like being me and trying to find out what it is in the process and showing what I'm doing. For sure. And what's an exciting project you have coming up that we can look forward to? So uh, I'm trying to start a collective in which I'm basically uh, having a collection of all the, all the crazy, amazing people I've met in Southeast Asian countries and South Asian countries. Um, and we're having a six-month studio in which we're basically creating, curating, uh, and, and interacting with each other in the studio spaces. Uh, we're doing it with Nepal this year, and we are... We are we are already talking to an organization in Afghanistan. Um, it's a little tricky to go up there, but uh, since my roots, like my mom comes from there, so it's just like to be uh, able to share what I do uh, to young Afghani kids would be like such an amazing thing to do for myself and my soul. <laughs> I feel like I, I really want to do it. That's amazing. Where can we go to check this project out and where can we go to follow you online? Um, so this project is not yet out, it's still in my head, but everything is available on my Instagram, which is found in translations, the Insta handle, and Nomadic Origins will have a new update on its website, it's called www.nomadicorigins.com. So it's all available in there, and yeah, more news to come, I'll, I'll, I'll surprise you. Before we go into our final tips for you, I just wanted to remind you to use the hashtag GreenDreamer and tag me at Kamea Shane if you get to share your takeaways on social media. I love hearing what your favorite quotes are and your biggest takeaways, so I'm really looking forward to learning more from you. And now to our final five and my personal takeaways. Let's power through. What's one social media account or publication you follow that is really uplifting? 
I love the works of Arpna Rayamaji. Uh, she's a Nepali artist based in New York, and I follow her a lot. Um, I also work with Matter, so I'm always keeping a track of what they're doing because they're always coming up with really cool stuff. So yeah, these are the two accounts I really follow the most. And what do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? I'd say that it's okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And you've got to keep rocking and you've got to keep doing it. And I have a little rocket symbol as a tattoo that I'm a rocket that I'll keep Aww. flying. Like there's a little fuel off or whatever. And yeah, so keep going, keep hustling and keep doing. Life is really short to make the best of it. So yeah. What's one action we can try out this week for our planet's health? Um, just do it. Um, just get out of your house. Do it. Help yourself. Get yourself the best ice cream you can. Self-love is the first start. And the moment you do it, you'll fall in love with everything around you. So please be happy and do everything that makes you happy. Get out, take a run, take your dog out to the most unusual place for a walk and feel new. And the moment you do that, you're instantly sustainable to yourself and then eventually to everything around you. So Yeah, I love that. What makes you most hopeful for our world right now? Everything that's happening at the moment in the sense of like um, how people are getting more woke, they're more woke people now than like they were previously and like I feel like also this whole sense of criticism that we have on internet and how we are finally aligned to each other. Internet can be very critical or very uh, strange space sometimes but I feel like it also has a lot of power to unite us which has, it has done in the last couple of months and years. Um, so I feel like I'm very hopeful of how things are changing and we're becoming more friendly with uh, the, the machine and we are becoming and using it in a better way. And yeah, I feel like I really like the fact that people are more critical about where we are right now in the world and how we are doing because it's the time when we are having least of wars, we are having least of issues that we've had in previous generation eras, and we are still so critical. So this whole sense of passion we have to make the world a better place is what keeps me going. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Go play. Get some flowers, have fun, drink some matcha, and uh, be, be happy. Just go have some fun, Green Dreamer, because when you feel at your best, you will naturally bring about your best work. Here are my two takeaways from the episode. Number one, we use words and descriptors to make sense of this world, but reality really is indescribable because it just is. So in order to understand the world deeply, we have to remember that what we think, solely based off of what other people or the media have said, might be different than what reality actually is like. And we won't know what reality actually looks like unless we first allow ourselves to strip away our preconceptions, assumptions, and judgments of other people and of the world. Number two, humanity is beautiful. Yes, we've got our issues, but if we take a step back to look at the trajectory of where we're headed, we see that humans are innately problem solvers. And when we become conscious of the issues that we have, we start talking about it more. And then we spread that awareness. And then collective change begins to happen. So we're on the way. We just have to take things one step at a time, beginning with awareness and understanding first. So have faith in yourself you're here, it means that you have a huge heart to help improve our world and have faith in humanity. Like Mukul said, it's only when we think and see good in ourselves when we can grow the good. I think that's such a beautiful quote. We really need to just share that. 
But there, that's a wrap. It's time to go out there and to make some waves. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane and again, greendreamer.com for the show notes. And finally, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.